This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Friday night. It's the preview show. It's the No Nay Never Podcast. Hello and welcome to the preview show brought to you by the No Nay Never Podcast. I am your compare for this evening, Natalie Bromley, but joining me as ever is the main man himself, the boss, the king of stats, Dave Roberts, Statman Dave. Hello. Hello, Natalie. Good to be back after uh, we've missed a few matches. We didn't do Manchester United or uh, Norwich, did we? We didn't do Manchester United. And you know what? I've just realised that we were supposed to do Manchester United and I didn't record. Oh my God, Dave, I'm so sorry. I've just <laughs> realised. Well, I was like, I was thinking we've only missed one. We only missed the Norwich game, but of course... I'm so sorry. Oh my God. I'm going to, you're going to have to put me in detention. I think 50 lines for me, thou shalt not play truant from the preview show. Um, I'll put you in Kitely Corner. (laughs) Hey, no, Kitely Corner is not a punishment. That's a great place to be. Um, How have you been? Um, And how did you enjoy the FA Cup weekend? Um, Yeah, a bit of a letdown, really, wasn't it? After the two uh, fantastic wins in the league, uh, Manchester United um, on the back of Leicester. Hopes were high going into Saturday against Norwich and we didn't quite, uh, well, we we didn't perform to the level we know we're capable of and Norwich deserved the win on the day. So good luck to them in the next round, but it's not going to be uh, us two matches away from Wembley. It's uh, it's them. I know. I was really gutted. I know I harp on about this all the time on the podcast, but I'm so desperate for this team especially to have a decent cup run and, and just for the fans to give something to cheer about. And you know, we had the ability to beat them at the weekend. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say actually, I was quite surprised at how strong Norwich performed, and that's not because they are incapable of that level of performance, but more that I expected them to rest pretty much everybody and, and really concentrate on trying to survive in the league. But they came. They were very positive. We were nearly one nil down after what, 10 seconds on the clock. And they were just better than us in every single area. And I'm, I'm not being funny. If if they could get somebody who could put the ball in the back of the net, we'd have been 3-0 down at half-time. Um, but you're right, Dave, it was not to be. Uh, it's another year now where we all of our eggs are in the Premier League survival um, basket. So I think with only one competition now to um, concentrate on, and with us being probably only 10 points away from safety, um, I would really like to see us try and consolidate everything now and start 
building plans for next season already, don't you think so? But And of course, Dave, that has been very much improved by groundbreaking news just as we were coming on air. What's happened at Turf Moor, Dave? Uh, we signed a player. Josh Brownhill's uh, got the number eight shirt, come from uh, Bristol City. He's uh, signed Oh no, sorry. Signed on a four and a half year deal with an option for another 12 months. So he's uh, one for the long term. I know. We did a thing, Dave. We did a signing. This is incredible. We did. I'm excited. So now if you're going to wear the number eight, are we supposed to sing Josh Brownhill? Josh Brownhill? Is that how it goes? Does, it, does he just always take the Dean Marnie chant, but with a different word? No, you've got to earn it. That's true. They have big shoes to fill. Does anyone think anybody told him that? No pressure, young Josh, but that's Dean Marnie's shirt and, you know, you must very much make sure you live up to the boss's um, shoes. Shoes, live up to his shoes, Philly shoes, shoes to fill. Something along those lines, Clarets fans. Um, let's move on. Let's move away from um, the what's happened in the past and let's look ahead to the future. And before we get into this week's preview show and look ahead to Arsenal at home at the weekend, we have some quiz news to report. Now, in a previous show prior to the home game against Leicester, we asked you which former Burnley player and which future Burnley player scored Leicester City's goals when the Foxes won 2-0 at Turf Moor in the Championship in March 2014. Dave, what was your answer? The correct answers were David Nugent and Chris Wood. I did ask you after the show, we went off air and you got David Nugent straight away, but you struggled to get Chris Wood. You need a, a few clues. Well, that was uh, the answer to that one. Quite an interesting one with two uh, Clarets or a former Claret and a future Claret scoring the goals. Um, and following that, we uh, we didn't put out a preview show, as we said, for the Manchester United away game or for Norwich in the FA Cup for obvious reasons on the Norwich one with having already played them and done all of the material once this season. Um, but I did tweet out some stats and facts in written form um, and ended the threads with a couple of questions. So in case you're wondering, the answer to the last Burnley player to score a hat-trick against Manchester United at Old Trafford was John Kennelly. That was over 57 years ago. Uh, on the occasion of our previous win there. That was a 5-2 victory in September 1962. And thankfully, we've uh, won again since then, last Wednesday, which was a marvellous occasion. And then for the other question, um, I was asking for the other two Burnley players to score hat-tricks for the Clarets at Turf Moor, but not end up on the winning side. This was in addition to Peter Noble, who'd scored three goals in a 4-4 draw in a top-flight game against Norwich City in September 1975. And the answer to that was, or were, uh, Gareth Taylor. He scored uh, a hat-trick in a 7-4 defeat versus Watford in uh, 2003 when Stan Turner was in charge. Um, and Charlie Austin scored a hat-trick in a 3-3 draw against Sheffield Wednesday in 2012. So well done to everyone who knew the correct answers to any or all of those recent quiz questions. There were three uh, in there. Uh, we'd had quite a few correct answers through, but uh, too many to uh, to name. Yeah, we did get quite a lot of answers this time. I think it helped that we pushed the question out on Twitter as well. I think we're going to start doing that every week because not everybody can listen to the to the previous show. Not everybody wants a double dose of none and ever every week. Some people they can't help themselves. They want to listen to everything, but uh, yeah, some people don't don't tune in for the previous show. So we uh, we will get those on Twitter and hopefully get some more answers. Opposition stats. 
So, Dave, let us move on to looking ahead to this weekend's game. And it is, of course, Arsenal at home, Sunday the 2nd of February. My goodness, how is it February already? Um, At 2pm, we are live on Sky Sports. So, Dave, obviously this is our return fixture this season to play in Arsenal. So, why don't you tell us what happened since we last met? Yeah, well, despite winning the reverse fixture back in August, uh, that was uh, 2-1, another televised game. Um, Arsenal have had a rather indifferent season by their standards and are currently level with Burnley on 30 points. Uh, The Gunners have only won six Premier League matches so far this season, compared with Burnley's nine, and have drawn an incredible 12 matches to date, which is more than any other team. Uh, There's probably never been a more congested middle of the table at this stage of the season. I know you touched on this in the uh, main podcast, which was recorded uh, last week. Um, there's still several teams holding out hopes of a good run of results to push for European qualification while still having the threat of relegation on their minds if they have a poor run in the next few weeks. Do you think you'll need 40 points to survive this year, Dave? I do, because of just this congestion. I think it, it depends. I think it, it depends on if if West Ham and West Ham have got a tough run of games. I think there might be some in there. It, it may well be that teams still do get stranded. But I think there's a likelihood is that it's going to be pushing 40 points. But it, it, it's like anything, it, it depends on uh, on what happens in the next month or so. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is just that there's the the dominance of the traditional top six hasn't been there this year. Um, the, the big six and already with City, well, City themselves have dropped more points than you would think they would do. But your likes of United, Chelsea, Arsenal, they're giving away points to the teams in the lower half of the league, which doesn't usually happen. Usually the the traditional big six win pretty much most of the home and away games for those um, who aren't around them. So I think that's where my rationale is. Um, So let's look again then at Turf Moor. What's Burnley's heaviest defeat? In 1937, uh, Burnley and Arsenal met at Turf Moor in an FA Cup fifth round tie. Uh, The visitors overwhelmed the Clarets that day and were 7-1 winners. And unfortunately, from a Burnley perspective, the evidence still exists on YouTube if anyone wants to go and look at it. Oh, dear. <laughs> what about the biggest Burnley win then, please, Dave? Uh, well, we do have a couple of matches uh, where we've beaten Arsenal at Turf Moor by a margin of five goals. Uh, but you've got to go back to the 1800s uh, for a 6-1 FA Cup win in February 1896 and also a 5-0 league win. That was a second division match in September 1897. And what about Burnley's last win? Uh, well, our last home win over Arsenal was a Carlin Cup quarter-final tie in December 2008. Two Kevin McDonnell goals continued the Clarets' capital punishment run in that competition after we'd previously got past Fulham and Chelsea in the earlier rounds. And what about last season? What happened then? Uh, well, Arsenal were the visitors to Turf Moor for the final Premier League match of the 2018-19 season. That was last May. And for once, they didn't require a last-minute penalty or a goal scored with a hand to take all three points. The Gunners won 3-1 with two goals from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and one for Eddie Nketiah, who came on as a sub. Uh, Ashley Barnes scored Burnley's goal on that occasion. Excellent. And do we have a different manager than the last time we played them? We do. Not for the first time this season. We've got a different manager uh, in place. Uh, Since we played at the Emirates in August... Nye Emery has been replaced by 37-year-old Spaniard Mikel Arteta, who left his position as assistant coach at Manchester City to take over as manager at Arsenal. Excellent. And he's going to be coming to turf more and he's going to hate it. I love it. Um, OK, Dave, why don't we move on to some head-to-head stats? 
Yet when we look at Burnley's overall home record against Arsenal, it stands at played 52, won 24, drawn 12, lost 19. It's a win percentage of 46.1%. And that's slightly below our overall home average win percentage of almost exactly 50%. When we look at top flight matches, uh, home matches only, it's played 43, won 18, drawn 10 and lost 15. That's a win percentage of 41.9%. Uh, for Premier League matches played since 2009, Burnley have lost four and drawn just one of the five meetings to date at Turf Moor. Although this is one point more than we've picked up on our six Premier League away visits to the Emirates in the same period. Good stuff. Um, who's our referee then? Uh, Chris Kavanagh. He's in charge at Turf Moor on Sunday. He's visited Turf Moor once already this season when Liverpool won 3-0 and went back to Merseyside with all three points. Although, based on their season to date, we shouldn't really read too much into that. Uh, David Coote will be on uh, VAR duties. Excellent. And to finish off our preview then, and my new favourite feature, and the new one for the second half of the season, who are Arsenal's celebrity fans? Celebrity fans! Okay. well, among Arsenal's famous fans, these are just seven names we've handpicked to mention this week. Uh, Newsreader Dermot Murnahan former cricketer Phil Tufnell, author Nick Hornby, actress Jessie Wallace, who plays Cat Slater in EastEnders, singer and TV presenter Alla Jones, Jeremy Corbyn, and finally, Prince Harry. Now, I'm guessing that the football conversations in the royal household have been helping to take their minds off other matters in recent weeks. Uh, uh, One final thing on that, do remember to keep a close eye on the away end uh, to see them cheering on the Gunners this Sunday, if any of them are, uh, are there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with no. And actually, I'm not having this. Allard Jones is an Arsenal fan. Apparently so. He's Welsh. There's enough, well, there's decent Welsh teams and there's flipping Cardiff and Swansea to start off with. So why doesn't he support them? Who said celebrities can't be glory supporters? Exactly. Glory supporters. Support your lo- unless he grew up unless he grew up in, in London or he's lived in London for years and he's now a Londoner, then I forgive you and I apologise for not supporting a Welsh eyed young Alex Jones. But if not, support your local team. Um and Prince Prince Harry I suppose, yeah, he kind of grew up in London, so maybe I'll let him off. Um and Dave, I can't believe you went through all of that and you didn't mention Piers Morgan. Well I said celebrities. Oh, Dave's getting catty. I love it. Um, let's move. Let's move on. Um, what um, What is going to be your miscellaneous stat of the week, please, Dave? Because I know you, and I know you don't just stop at the ordinary. You want to delve into that bank of stats and let us have a uh, something sparkling, please. Statman Dave's stat of the week. Uh, I've got a good one this week. I think um, I tweeted this stat out earlier in the week, but for those of you who didn't see it or even if you did, I think it's worth a repeat. Uh, Sunday marks exactly one whole year since Burnley last drew a match at Turf Moor in any competition. Ashley Barnes scored a late penalty to earn a 1-1 draw against Southampton on the 2nd of February 2019. But 12 months on, or 52 weeks, or 365 days later, we're still awaiting a draw in any league or cup games played at Turf Moor. Oh, that's a good start of the week. I love it. Maybe this week's the week. Um, well, obviously, Dave's given us his, his stats prediction this week, and we'll come back to Dave in a minute to see what his thoughts are on the game. But in the meantime, we finally managed to book one on. I think it's about time we met our opposition. Opposition Viewed. 
and I am very, very pleased to be joined this week by Dan Potts from the Same Old Arsenal podcast. Well, what can we say, Dan? Welcome to the Known and Never Preview Show. Good evening, Natalie. Thank you for having me on. Absolute pleasure to be here. Oh, not at all. It's uh, it's been a while actually since the known and never fans have had an, an an opposition fan on. We seem to have had some real trouble booking people, so we're very grateful. Um, why don't you start by telling us uh, essentially how you think your season's gone? It's been, it feels like it's been a long season since we last played you, but it's also gone lightning fast. And of course, for you guys, has been the biggest change being um, your guy at the top um, with Uri Emery leaving and uh, Mikel Arteta coming in. So why don't you essentially just give up? Bring our listeners up to date with how things are going on down at Arsenal. Yeah, um, a fairly depressing start to the season, it must be said. Um, I can't remember the last time I've seen Arsenal win such a mess, if I'm honest with you. Um, a lot of our fans are extremely fickle. We have probably uh, some of the most toxic fan base in the Premier League at times, it seems. But as far as our, our kind of fans are concerned at the moment, we're so grateful to see change at the club because it was getting to the stage where we wanted to try and come away from the potential Man United stuff of getting rid of Ferguson and having six or seven managers. And what we didn't want was to keep chopping and changing. We want to try and stay a bit stability. At the same time, it was going so bad under Unai Emery and we really couldn't see where we we're going to get a win. And it was just draw after draw, loss after loss. And I think we kind of hit rock bottom, really. And then Mikel Arteta has obviously taken us over, installed a lot of confidence and put his faith in some of the young players who have really, really outshone. And we've started to play better. The performances are getting there. And although the results are not always going our way, we've definitely seen a huge improvement. Um, I think on paper, our side is 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 a good side. I think there's bang average players in certain positions, which unfortunately has let the sides down. Um, and due to injuries, we're having to play some of those players. What I will say about our youth, we've got some fantastic talent in there. I think Matteo Genduzzi, at 20 years old, looks like he could be a fantastic player. Gabriel Martinelli and Bukayu Saka down that left-hand side at 18 years old. There's a lot to be uh, kind of excited about in terms of potential. Um, but for me, it's all about getting as high as we can up in this season and all of our eggs now need to go into the Europa League because that's our only route back into the Champions League. So the league for me, I'm really not too bothered if we finish even outside of the Europa spot. I just want to go all out for the Europa League so that we can try and get ourselves back into the Champions League because the problem with us, Natalie, at the moment is we're on a Champions League wage budget and we're not a Champions League club. Yeah. And to be fair, we don't deserve we don't deserve to be the way we're playing. So that's our biggest problem. We've got players on massive wages, and it is having a massive knock on effect. So the sooner we can get into the Champions League for us, the better. Yeah, it must be quite difficult to to see that season after season and knowing full well that for a club that's historically always been run very well as a business and you know you, you had those years where you had that very strict wage cap in place and and you know you did lose out on some really big signings just because there was a business model obviously at a very different scale to the one that we have at Burnley but there were some real similarities there with respecting that wage structure and respecting the business um, and like you say now if you've got some players who you've brought in believing that you're Champions League slot was more secure than it has been. It doesn't take that many years to be away from that competition to feel those effects. Um, I was quite interested, Dan, what you were saying then, and I'm going to pick up on this. Um, I'm not going to give them too much airtime because they get enough, but it was interesting to hear the 
it, it, you, you made it sound like there was almost a toxic atmosphere going through the clubs. And we, we see it, I think, more than anything coming out of the Arsenal fan TV, which at some point, particularly at the... I guess the, the low point of, of the club's feelings around when everything was, was going wrong, they almost became a caricature of themselves and they were starting to make a real mockery of the club. Do you genuinely feel now that the changes have been made and Arteta's come in and the, the Arsenal fan TV, there's a bit of a, a revolt against them in terms of the fans rejecting that toxic atmosphere that they're promoting, that actually you are genuinely starting to rebuild? Mm, it's an interesting question and I think it's one that I may answer honestly but if I'm honest with you I have a lot of friends that do go on Arsenal Fan TV so um, a couple of them do join me on, on our podcast on the same old Arsenal um, so you'll, uh, if you watch it you'll probably know the, the faces. Um, my opinion on Arsenal Fan TV is it's a great idea. Why? Because it allows fans to have a voice and that is what I believe fans should be which is why we're on podcasts yeah. like this one. What I will say about it is in terms of the negativity is what happens is people were tuning into Arsenal fan TV when Arsenal lose ah. and it's not Arsenal fans that are watching it. So it's the Arsenal fa- it's the Arsenal fans that are watching it and enjoying it when we win or they enjoy the actual influences on there like the DT yeah. and the troops and the lead judges and the Claudes and the Ties. But what actually happens is we get West Ham and Tottenham and United and City and Chelsea fans watching it thinking this is an absolutely hilarious channel this because Arsenal fans are ranting yeah. and raving. And really what has then happened is a lot of people have got views from that and become famous from just ranting into a camera and I think that's the side where perhaps the negativity gets frustrating with fans because the fans then say well we're not in front of a camera we're not the ones screaming so I can see both sides I personally believe that the way that uh, Robbie Lyle has done it is fantastic but there has obviously been some mistakes along the way which I think he would probably hold his hands up and say do you know what yeah maybe I could have gone about things better with that but as far as I'm concerned the idea is correct um, and we've seen other you know, fan TV shows around from other clubs that have done something similar, but it hasn't hit off as much just because a couple of those characters are doing it just for views. And that is my honest opinion. Yeah, it's clickbait. It has become clickbait. That's really interesting. I'm really glad I raised that question because, of course, to the rest of us, we we don't, you know, we aren't the forum for, for Arsenal fan TV. We're not going to tune in every single week because we've got our own fan content and we want to hear about our club. So you're right, the only exposure that, non-Arsenal fans have to it are the the clicks that get put on on on, on social media and the, the snippets that have been cleverly edited to direct traffic to, to make them a laugh and stuff. So no, I'm glad I, I'm glad I raised that. So let, let's move away from something more positive because obviously you are driving that positivity among the fans and trying to get everything back to normal again. Um, what about your new signing? Obviously, you, you've had some big new signing this this week with Pablo Mari coming into the club. Um, is that the kind of positive signing you were looking for, or do you still think you need to do something more tomorrow? It's a realistic signing, Natalie. We're um, in a bit of a mess financially. We haven't got the financial power of the Manchester Cities and the Chelsea's of this world. And that comes back to what I said earlier about our wage budget just being so high. And to try and keep him with financial fair play rules, we are going to have to be realistic about our, our signings. We actually didn't spend much in the summer. A lot of people think we did. If you look at what we did in the summer, we actually spent around about £40 million 
um, if you look at the net spend, the Pepe deal was actually 25 million because it's over a five-year deal uh, in installments to Lille because Lille are in so much trouble over in the French league that they accepted the 72 million over a period of about three or four years. So really, we didn't spend much money up front with that. We got money from Iwobi. We got uh, El Nenny and Mkhitaryan off the books and we looked to actually sign the, the likes of Kieran Tierney for 25 million, Danny Ceballos on a loan deal. So really, we didn't actually do much in the summer. So when I look at the Pablo, the Pablo Mari deal, something about it excites me. I think Arteta and Edu have got together and thought, we need a centre-half. What's happening over in Brazil? They're at pre-season. He's six foot four, so he's got the height, he's got the presence. He's a left-footed centre-back, which is something that Arteta has recognised that we lack. And I think that he has got uh, the kind of ability, it seems, to be that ball-playing defender. So certainly it's an area of frailty and weakness for Arsenal. But if I'm honest with you, Natalie, you could probably ask me this 15 years ago and I could say the same thing. We've been lacking a centre-half and a defensive midfielder since Patrick Vieira and Sol Campbell left 15 years ago. And that is the honest truth. We've not quite managed to get it right in the terms of the style of player that Arsene Wenger was bringing in. He went from the Vieira and Gilbertos to the Fabregas's, the Denilsons, the Arby's, Cazorla's, Wilshire's, Ramsey's. They're all really lightweight, technically gifted, but they weren't really that presence that we need and we lack. And likewise at the back, apart from Lauren Cashel, you can really name 15 or 16 defenders that have come and gone and not really um, taken the ball by the horns to get themselves into that Arsenal side and be a leader. And I think that's what we lacked. Um, Rumours a few years ago of us trying to go for Virgil van Dijk and N'Golo Kante, but refusing to do that, our recruitment has been a huge issue because instead we bought the same season squad around Mustafi and Granit Xhaka, who have just been completely and utterly poor players and poor signings for us. So I think recruitment's been an issue. Something does excite me about this because the last couple of signings that have been of the same ilk have been Gabriel Martinelli and Matteo Guendouzi, who have been fantastic for that kind of price tag. Um, there's something about this that just excites me. It could not work. It is only a loan deal. So if it doesn't work, he just goes back to Flamengo. It's not a problem. There is an option to buy. In terms of your question about do we still need to do something? I think we do, but I don't know if we will get the positions we need. I still feel we need a defensive midfielder. It looks to me like we are going to try and buy Cedric Suarez from Southampton for backup um, because we've had issues at fullback with injuries. But apart from Suarez, it will be a real shock to me if anything else happens in this window. Yeah, probably quite similar to what we're doing at the moment as well. Um, okay, that's let's move on then to this weekend's game. Now, certainly from the Clarets' perspective and, and moving this back towards the Burnley perspective, um, prior to, what, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, things were starting to look really bleak at Burnley and we were really struggling for form and we were looking at some horrendous fixtures before we had a relatively easier run into the end of the season. But two dare I say, unexpected results, um, beating Leicester at home and United away, both quite comprehensively, I would add as well, um, have put the Clarets' season back on track a little bit. And we're currently, as, as you and I record this, Dan, are sat on 30 points. Now, I've been saying for most of this season, and our listeners have heard me say this, that I think this season you're going to need 40 at least to survive, um, just because I think that the league's too tight. And I think that a lot of the 
um, traditional top six side um, have cascaded too many points down to the bottom size. You know, even the likes of City and yourselves and United, Chelsea are dropping points to get sides outside the bottom six. So I think more points are dropping down to the bottom end of the table. And I think you'll need 40. So technically, we're only sort of 10 points away from safety. And it's what, the 20, what's well, the 30th of January now? Um Bearing that in mind and bearing the fact that we are a different animal than we would have been maybe two weeks ago, two questions. Number one, what are you expecting from the weekend's game? And number two, what are you expecting about this Burnley side for the rest of the season? And we appreciate you're an Arsenal fan, you're not a Burnley fan, so... Well, no, and, and um, the reason I respect Burnley is um, mainly due to your manager. Um, I'm a huge fan of Sean Dyche. I think that he goes underrated in terms of what he's achieved at that club. And I think that a lot of um, fans that are perhaps neutral say that it's a bit of a boring old way and a bit of an old school way to play football. But what it is, is very, very hard to play against. And I've always found that a Burnley side under Sean Dyche is extremely physical. Um, I'm expecting that on Sunday. Um, if I'm honest with you, we have done well at your place the last few seasons. We've never, ever beat you four or five nil at your place because it's a hard, tough place to go. Had a few nice results at the Emirates under Arsene Wenger, however, but that can happen at the Emirates, you know. When it comes to going to Burnley at Turf Moor, it's a real battlefield, physical, very, very hard. And I think that sometimes teams believe the best way to play Arsenal is to, is to beat them up. And I think that's exactly what Sean Dyche's game plan will be, is to get in our faces, make it very difficult for us. The way that you work off the ball is very, very hard. And I think that we have improved under Arteta with that, but we will have to match you if we want to get anything out of the game. I believe, if you were to ask me what I think is going to happen, I think we are going to just about nick it. I'm actually going up all the way up to Burnley on, uh, on Sunday to watch the game. Um, and... It's a it's a real hard kind of atmosphere there. It's it's not a, a pleasant place to go for us. It's very light. We're we're going onto the battlefield. It's a bit of a fortress there. So, I've been there once or twice before and felt the same. It's never been an easy win. Um, I think we last time I went there we won one nil last season or last two seasons. We've nicked it two one in the very very last minute from a penalty and a actually handball. Yeah, let, let's not go down. That's still very uh, tense yeah the yeah. Bands. There we go. <laughs> very sore. I imagine it's very sore still, but. Um, so what I'm trying to get at is it's never an easy game. And I think that it will be very much the same. And I'm going to go for a, to nick it 2-1, but I don't expect an easy easy game at all. Where I think you're going to be for the rest of the season, don't even think about relegation. It's, that's not going to happen. You guys will not go down this season. I can assure you of that because of your manager's uh, ability. And I do believe there's, there's, there's some quality in your side. Um, I did a, a chat yesterday to on our preview show and talked about you guys and some of the some of the players that we mentioned. I, I will mention now, if I may. Um, mm, of course, I, I believe the partnership at the back. When it when I look at what we've got at the back, I would take Ben, me, and James Tarkowski both in our side and slot them into the Arsenal oh, side. Oh wow, I love them. Honestly, that's how much I rate them both as a partnership. I think individually they're great defenders, but as a partnership, yeah. you guys must be extremely pleased because I, I really do rate them. I think they're great at the back. Um, so that they were my first mention. 
the other two players I'm going to mention, one of them I believe is injured, but I think he's fantastic, is Ashley Barnes. Ashley Barnes, I was going to say. I know which two players you're going to say, but yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think him and the other player, Chris Wood, um, yeah. are, are absolute nightmare to try and defend against. And I think that if we are going to have to watch out, it's going to be through set pieces because of the four players. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, I think that... The, and listen, I mean, Bournemouth uh, the other night when we played the, the, the one time they did score was the time they whipped it into the box and I think yeah. that's what you'll be doing all game you know on Sunday and uh, Sean Dyche isn't silly he's, he's not going to come and start passing it around us because he knows that's, that's the way we want to play it he's going to make it very difficult for us and he's going to say let's throw some long balls into the box because these this team are, are frail at the back and I think that Chris Wood will be all over David Lewis and Socrates um, I think you'll miss Ashley Barnes because he's a not he's a nasty little player to play against you know he's a real yeah. so everybody would want him in a team you know but we've got Jay Rodriguez who's come in and he's starting to form quite a dangerous partnership with Chris Wood. And I think whilst he doesn't necessarily have the aerial threat and the, the niggling ability to get in defenders' faces that maybe Ashley Barnes does, he's a he's probably more technically skillful on the ball. So if you put all of your eggs in one basket and start trying to defend against the aerial threat and the physicality of Chris Ward, you're going to give Jay Rodriguez way too much room. And look at that goal he scored against United out of nowhere. I was just going to say yeah. that was a stunner, wasn't it? Yeah. I, mean, I always thought with Jay Rodriguez that perhaps he should have stayed at Burnley from the from the off, you know, and I think he would have become more of a, uh, maybe even a legend with yourself because he was there yeah. at a young age. Um, we, we, I know yeah. I can understand why why he left. Yeah, but, we, um, we had too many relegations. We were back in the championship, and and at that time he was being touted for England, and and he was he was too good for us, and and that was sort of around the first time we got promoted back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and and you know he, I, I actually think he's better going away and trying something different. It certainly is more physical than he was when he left up. He was he was a kid. He was a nineteen year old lad when when he left us. So. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting mm. one. So who's the who's the final player? I know it is, but tell us who your final player is that you're worried about. Well, the final player for me would be your England number one, my England number one. Um, I think Nick Pope is an outstanding goalkeeper and always has been. Oh, I um, didn't think you were going to say him. I thought you were going to talk about Dwight McNeil because that's what everybody talks about. <laughs> that's yeah, interesting. Oh, yes, let's give Nick Pope some airtime. Well, I, 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 listen. I, it's, it's interesting you bring up McNeil because my my colleague from Samad Arsenal yesterday he he brought him up as a as a problem. My issue with McNeil, I, I like him. Don't get me wrong. I think he's he's dangerous. I don't see it consistently enough. However, saying that. I don't watch Burnley week in, week out. So maybe that's a harsh, harsh thing to say. But I, I, I did go through a stage of thinking, wow, this lad every week on match of the day, he's looking a hell of a skillful. Um, but I don't see enough um, uh, kind of goals from him. Um, perhaps he's creative. I don't know. You might be able to tell me different. But for me, I would, I would take Nick Pope um, because I just think the guy has been very consistent. Best goalkeeper outside of the top six this season, in my opinion. Definitely ahead of Jordan Pickford in the England side. If it was my, if me as Gareth Southgate, um, and I don't think he gets enough credit. You know, he's he's kind of when he came on the scene, it was he was only thrown in because Heaton was injured. Um, you actually got to one stage where you had Joe Hart and Heaton and Pope, and I thought this is a bit harsh on Pope because I think he's the best out of the three, and I think now he's proven that the, the case to be true because I think he has been uh, exceptional. Yeah, I think a lot of Burnley fans were quite sad to see Heaton go um, in the summer, but I think it was the right call. Um, I think longer term, Pope's a better keeper. I think Heaton 
is great and he was probably a, yeah. a more of a natural leader but I I personally think that it was the right decision to make not everybody agrees a lot of Burnley fans think we sold the wrong player but I am definitely in, in camp pop and I would have him as number one as well I think so the problem is is that um, um, Jordan Pickford plays the exact kind of football that Gareth Southgate wants his defenders to play. Nick Pope doesn't fit that criteria. He he doesn't play out from the back. He doesn't play that kind of fluid one-touch passing around the back five. And that's why I think he's not muscled his way in either. So... Who will, that isn't who always will a bad thing, though, Natalie. No, I, me. believe me, me, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan <laughs> of the, this ridiculous trend of passing. You know, if if you are the world's most, you know, if you're the Liverpool defence, for God's sake, then fine, pass it around all you want. But you see the likes of Watford, or no offence, Watford fans, but do you know what I mean? You see that the teams that think now that they've got to play out from the back and they've just not got the ability to do it and they concede in the most horrendous goals from it. So yeah, it's my bugbear at the moment. Mm. Um, well, Dan, we usually. Um, finish off by getting a score prediction but you've already said that you think that we're going to nick it 2-1 oh, yeah. uh, no no it's quite <laughs> no it's great I'm just just recapping there um team none and ever of course has got to back our boys and I think I'm going to call it as 2-1 the other way but either way I am genuinely looking forward to this game in our view we our our heads are telling us that we'll get beat but in our hearts I think we feel like this may be the chance to try and get a win at Turf Moor against Arsenal. So, but either way, I'm, it's going to be a great game, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Before you leave us, why don't you tell our Clarets fans where they can contact you? Yeah, sure. Listen, um, I'm sure that you will want to come and talk to us about Arsenal um, and listen to Arsenal. Uh, I'm joking, of course. But if there is anybody that you know that's Arsenal fans, please get them over to the same old Arsenal podcast on YouTube um, and same old AFC on Twitter. Uh, if you do want to follow me on Twitter or listen to any more of my podcasts that I'm on, then it's at DanArsenal87. Um, and thank you, Natalie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, the pleasure's all been ours, Dan. Um, listen, safe travels on Sunday. Make sure you uh, you get here safely. Enjoy the game. And thank our you. top tip to you, which we say to all of our away fans, do not leave Burnley without sampling a Benny and Hot. We will leave you with that. A Benny and Hot. A Benny and Hot. Lovely. And I want a picture. You want to tweet me on and ever with a picture. We want to see it. Um, that has been Dan Potts. Um, Dan, thank you so much and best of luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much, Natalie. Thank you. So there we are, Dave. We've just heard from our Arsenal fan of this week. Um, What's your heart telling you about the game at the weekend? I mean, obviously we've had the disappointment of the Norwich game, but we've just come off the back of two ridiculously good results against top six sides in the Premier League. And and given the up and down form of Arsenal, and, and in some respects, the kind of average side that they're playing at the moment, we're going to fancy our chances, aren't we? Uh, yeah, sometimes it's a, a good time to play teams. Sometimes it's a bad time. I think it was a, a pretty good time to play Manchester United. Um, they've been on a, an indifferent run. Um, so coming up against them at the time we did, that perhaps worked in our favour. And I think it might be the same again for uh, for Arsenal this Sunday. Again, we're going to have to be uh, on our game really on Sunday to get a result against them. But there's no reason why we can't go out there and get at least a draw and maybe push on and get a, a victory. I mean, we've had um, two two really good matches against two top sides. Arsenal, they're not in the top six now. They're level on points with us. Um, they've drawn far too many games this season. Um, their form's been very indifferent. 
um, it could well be a really good time to play them. So if if we're ever going to get a win against them, and we haven't uh, had one in the Premier League um, since we got promoted in 2009, yeah, it might be the time. This this Sunday might be the occasion to do it. Yeah, I've got a really good feeling for this weekend. I really do. I feel like um, now is the time to play them. And I feel like, which I just don't know, because we're at turf as well and confidence is riding high. I really do feel it. Um, what... What would you do, Dave? Would you play our new superstar central midfielder and give maybe Corky a rest? Um, I think there's very little chance of uh, of that. I think he'll be. Uh, it's going to take probably a few weeks at least to assess him and get him Deitch fit. Um, I think it may well be bit parts between now and the end of the season. He's certainly one for the future. I'm not saying he won't play, but judging on past records, I would expect us to put out pretty much the side we did um, against Manchester United. Yeah, that was a very good politician's answer, Dave, but I was very specific when I said, not what you think Deitch will do, but would you play him? If you were Deitch, would you play him? Given the given how slightly pedestrian I think our midfield's got and how tired players like Jack are, would you put him in there and let him play? No. Oh, excellent. Okay. Sure no. Yeah. Excellent. Would you look to bring him in quickly or would you basically not even try him for this season? What's your thoughts on that? No, I, 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 I think this is certainly, well, hopefully got a, a role to play. Um, we wanted to push players on. So we, we're, we're buying players from the point of view of they're coming in and they need to be pushing the players that have got the shirts at the moment. Yeah. But I think the players that played, uh, the team that played against Manchester United, perhaps deserve to uh, to start against Arsenal and, and take it from there. And then if we're seeing uh, performance levels drop as the season goes on, then we've got an option to yeah. uh, uh, to bring a new signing in and uh, freshen up the side and, and give a bit more competition. Yeah, that's probably a good thing, actually. Maybe it's just a case of getting the next, say, three wins that we need under our belts to get it. And then once we've got a bit of freedom and we know that we've probably secured Premier League uh, football for next year, then have the freedom to play him and, 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 and you never know. And who else will that bring in tomorrow as well? Still got another day of the transfer window yet. This is incredible. Fantasy Premier League update. Um, okay, Dave, we'll finish off this week's episode with a look of the much coveted, much loved Fantasy Football League. It's been a while since we had a look at who's doing what. So why don't you talk us through the top of the table and who the movers and shakers are? Yeah, well, there hasn't been too much movement at the top of the No Name Never League. Uh, Bennett Howarth, John Sutcliffe and Tall Paul are occupying the top three places, although the gap between first and second widened to 25 points, as Bennett Howarth was also one of the week's highest scoring managers with 99 points. Uh, no other manager in our league, however, scored more than 107 points, picked up by Daniel Lord in game week 24. Uh, all of the top 10 teams in our league are within 95 points of the lead still, so there's plenty to play for and over three months to do something about it. Uh, Richard Steele is still leading the way in the No Name Never podcasters mini league, as he has been for most of the season, and thanks to an impressive 87 points in game week 24. You, Natalie, have lifted your Dingle Bells team out of the bottom three. Did you play your free hit by any chance? No! What's a free hit? What? I don't even know what a free hit is. You, you get you, there's, there's one week where you can have unlimited transfers. It's temporary. You can basically bring in as many players as you want, I think within the um, cost constraints, 
and play that team, and then the week after it reverts back to the team you had. No, previously. But you can only use it once a season. I didn't yeah. know. Did you I don't know that? I, if I even, I haven't looked it. I'll be honest with you. I didn't. I don't even know how I scored eight to seven points because I haven't. I haven't tweaked with it since August. <laughs> but hey, <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm joking. I'm not excited, listeners. I'm having a a bit of a coughing fit. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know how that's happened, but yay me out the bottom three. Out the bottom three. Um, what about what about the dream Hold team on. then, please, Dave? I've got, I've got all excited. I'm have to put myself on mute for a mile. I'm getting all all giddy. Uh, well, Burnley's uh, Chris Wood was among the players in the dream team for game week 24. Although he's currently trailing Nick Pope by three points in the race to be Burnley's highest scoring player, Nick Point is uh, Nick Pope is now on 99 points, and Chris Wood is now on 96. Uh, to date, the highest scoring players for each position across all teams are as follows. Uh, goalkeeper position, the highest scoring goalkeeper is Sheffield United's Dean Henderson with 101 points, so only just ahead of Nick Pope. Uh, in defence, Liverpool's Trent Alexander-Arnold is the highest scoring defender with 140 points. In midfield, Manchester City's Kevin De Bruyne with 159 points is the highest midfielder and that's also the highest scoring player overall. Uh, and then in attack, uh, Leicester City's Jamie Vardy with 150 points is the highest scoring forward. Excellent stuff. Well, we're going to be back for another Fantasy League update um, next preview show as we keep you updated on the race to win that coveted title. There are no prizes, um, but it's just the glory and the pride of knowing that you are the best of the best known and ever listeners. Um, so we will be back. So keep it going. Keep tinkling, tinkling, tinkering with those teams. Use that free pass thing that Dave mentioned before, whatever that was. Um, and yay, go fantasy footballers. Statman Dave's quiz question. Finally, Dave, we're going to leave our listeners this week with the much loved. So I think this might be nearly as much loved as the as the fantasy football league, fantasy football league or quiz show. What do we think is more popular? I'm going to go quiz show. Um, why don't you tell our listeners what this week's quiz question is, please? Okay, this week's quiz question is: Ashley Barnes scored for Burnley against the Gunners at Turf Moor last season, but prior to that, who was the only other Burnley player? to score for Burnley against Arsenal in a Premier League match at Turf Moor. We've only scored two goals against Arsenal at Turf since we've been in the Premier League. Yes. Oh, yes. I don't know who this is. It must be somebody. How have we only scored two goals? So it must have been, it can't be in this current, hmm. Is it, it I'm going to guess Danny Ings or somebody like that, like just from the, from like the first wave, like the 2014 crop before we got relegated and went up as champions. I don't think it's from I don't think it's from the 2009 squad because we were rubbish and I don't think it's from the current ones because I just don't think it is. So I'm going to guess it's from around the 2014 squad so I'm going to guess Danny Ings. So there you go. See if you can do if see if you agree with me listeners or or you can do better if I've got it wrong. Dave, how do our listeners submit their answers? Uh, the best way to get in touch is, first of all, to send us a direct message on Twitter. That's at never. Uh, you could also email us, podcast at never.net, or you can reply to the post of this preview show, which we'll put up on the No Nay Never Facebook page, and we will reveal the correct answer at the start of the next preview show. It's not Danny Ings. Oh, what? It's not, is it not? Ah. <laughs> oh. 
Am I in the? Can we give our listeners a clue? Am I in the right era? Surely I am. I'm not saying. <sighs> I'm not saying. Dave, you're horrible. no clues. Fine. Okay, it's not Danny Ings. There you go, listeners. I gave you a bit of a clue this week just to give you the head up. That's a hard question. It's hard because I, I still, I'm still reeling and mulling over the fact that we've only scored twice against uh, Arsenal at Turf Moor, but never mind. Anyway, that is enough of that nonsense and that is all we have time for this week. My thanks as ever go to producer Dave for knitting this together. Um, I think we've had a few technical points this week with my horrendous cough and chest infection. Producer Matt even. Producer, what did I call him? <laughs> Producer Dave. Oh, God. My Lord. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to give poor producer Matt something else to have to edit out this week. Because between a chest infection I'm struggling with and a cough and our technology going haywire, he's had to edit about 14 different versions of this this week. So I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to let the listeners have that little blooper. And I'm going to say my thanks as ever go to producer Matt for knitting all of this chaotic preview show together Matt thank you very much Um, my biggest thanks as ever go to Statman Dave because he just put so much effort into these um, uh, these these preview shows and honestly they're so much fun and I do love them Um, and thanks to special guest Dan Potts um, who was our Arsenal fan this week and gave us his views of everything down at the Gooners Um, we will be back um, we've got a break haven't we next week is it two weeks, Dave? I have no idea. When are we back? We're either going to be back next Friday or the Friday after. Who knows? Uh, me and Dave for the previous show. And the, um, the main cast will be back on Tuesday for looking at the reaction to that Arsenal game. And hopefully what will be three very valuable points towards our quest for survival. This has been the preview show brought to you by the Known and Never podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.